without uh, further ado, I'd like to actually introduce them. So over uh, to my left, I have Megan McCracken, who is the owner and principal consultant of Pledis Group. Megan graduated from a Bachelor of Arts in 1988 and completed a Master's of Industrial Relations in 1994. As a 12-year-old, Megan wanted to be an Egyptologist, a journalist, or Australia's first female Prime Minister. While first female PM has been taken, she figures that the rest of the careers are still open for grabs. Meanwhile, Megan is living proof that having an arts degree is no barrier to paid employment and global employment. <laughs> in the last 30 years, Megan has worked in the mining, automotive, energy and rail industries with the last 10 years at executive level. In addition to her arts degree, she has a Masters in, in Industrial Relations from UWA plus two other qualifications in Business and Applied Linguistics. This year, she left a corporate career to start up Pledis Group, uh, Pledis Global, sorry, a business focused on her passion for leadership and leadership coaching, helping leaders building better workplaces. Megan's pro bono work is focused on gender diversity. She's the chair of the National Association of Women in Operations and she is an active career mentor, having mentored 15 women in the last five years. Now, Megan, take me back to your first PR job. Yeah. Okay, 1980s. So, yeah, so 1989, I worked at Bond Corporation in the oh. PR department. Oh. <laughs> um, and I literally witnessed the end of the 80s in uh, massive fashion because um, Bond Corporation then made the biggest corporate loss in Australia's history that year. And um, somewhere in the archives, somewhere out there, are all these lever arch files full of letters that people wrote Bondi, who loved Bondi because he won the America's Cup, right? With money stapled to the top of it saying, here, help, help for Bondi. But we couldn't do anything with it other than put them in big lever arch files. So they're there somewhere. We had a graduate job at PR. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and next I'd like to introduce Christian Sainz who's the Managing Director of Protus Group. Christian graduated with first class honours in civil engineering in 2003. Christian grew up in the wheat belt of WA in a town called Conadon. He spent much of his childhood on his grandparents' farm and his father's workshop, where his time was spent working on engines and riding motorbikes. Actual engineer at heart. After graduating and following five years working for a local engineering consultancy, he started his own engineering company with his brothers in mid-2008. What started as one employee has since grown to 40. Not one to take a back seat, during his first year in business, he built his second house and had two kids under the age of three. But I'm um, Christian, I hear you're a bit of a, a swimmer. What's, uh, what's the furthest you've swum? Uh, well, in a straight line, it's 20 kilometers, but um, I'm not sure how, how far I actually went that day. Because you do do a little bit of zigzagging, but yeah, uh, further on, yes. Okay. It's my furthest so far. I was going to ask, did you just wake up one morning and just decide to swim 20 k? <laughs> there was a there was an end goal there. Yeah, there was. I mean, I did a fair bit of training, but um, not many people know the first guy who actually did it um, did it without any training, and he did it after having a really big night the night before. <laughs> and it was a dare, and he said, "All right, I'll do it." And they got out there. I think it took him about 11 hours or something. God. And he was the best guy to do it 10 years ago. <laughs> Why did it fun? Uh, I'd like to introduce Pamela McGill. Pamela is a news manager and executive producer at Network 10. She graduated from a Bachelor of Science in 1995, majoring in chemistry, and completed her honours in 1997. 
So interestingly, and a little bit different to Megan, Pamela started with a science degree rather than an arts degree, thinking it would help her get a job. Upon graduating and not knowing what she wanted to do when she grew up, she took a gap year out to travel and to find clarity. Around the time not long after the fall of the Berlin Wall, a young and impressionable Pamela felt that apathy in the world was in part due to ignorance, and that if she could help share knowledge, she could help. Pamela has since been working at Channel 10 for the past 14 years, initially as a reporter, and now after a five-year stint in Sydney and surviving a, uh, quite a few redundancy rounds, she's now as news manager and executive producer. Despite her profession, believe this or not, she still gets sweaty palms when talking in front of people. <laughs> How are the palms going at the moment, Pamela? All right, the champagne's helped. <laughs> and why, why do people, some people call you Sparky? My very first job was on the management Bridgetown Times, um, straight out of uni, and I um, just to well to set the scene, I drove down to management, just realising that I had no background in journalism at all, and I might not even know how to write. So it was a big step, but I I embraced it, and I wholeheartedly got into the stories that you know management <coughs> threw up, and one of them happened to be about cauliflower festival, you know, important stuff for a local newspaper. So I wanted to get into the thick of the action, went to climb through the fence, not realising it was electric. Hence <laughs> 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 the, uh, the nickname story. <laughs> the rest is history as they say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Wong. Jack is a graduate analyst with MC Resources Australia. He graduated from Engineering and Arts in 2015, majoring in Mechatronics Engineering and Japanese Studies. Whilst at school, Jack found he was good at maths, and so engineering was a natural path for him. However, whilst at uni, he found cross-cultural experiences excited him. During uni, Jack spent some time in Japan on a student exchange program, and discovered he wanted to pursue a Japan-related career in either Japan or Australia. Fast forward to today, and Jack has a career at a multinational Japanese trading company, Mitsubishi Corporation, under its subsidiary company called MC Resources. Jack works as a graduate commercial analyst based here in Perth, and he works closely with external stakeholders, liaising with local indigenous elders. One highlight of his career so far is traveling to Japan, the Philippines, and Broome on business trips. Now, you're an incredible guy, you have a multinational career, you played with robots during uni, uh, but you can do handstands as well. Uh, yes, um, I used to do capoeira, uh, Brazilian martial arts, and used to do a lot of acrobatics and handstands. And uh, since then on, I, I enjoy doing that as a practice. Um, and lately I've been going to Ninja Academy. Um, maybe one day I'll um, be good enough to go on the Ninja Warrior show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think it'll take some time. Maybe give me a few years. So remember this face tonight, maybe Jack is all going now. Say, so I know that guy. Last but not least, Zara Burgess. Zara is a state prosecutor and in the office of the Director of the Public Prosecutions for WA. She completed her Bachelor of Laws in 2010 and her Bachelor of Arts in 2011. Upon graduating from UWA, Zara took up an article clerk position with the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions in Western Australia. She has since become a prosecutor since uh, there from February 2012, appearing as trial counsel on various matters, including serious assaults, robberies, sex offences and drug trafficking, as a junior counsel on homicide matters, and as a junior counsel on homicide matters. Her work has also taken her to 
some different and exciting corners of WA, including Geraldton, South Headland, Mekathara, and Karatha. I want to ask you about, all of that's very interesting. We were talking earlier, your way to unwind is going home watching TV. What do you watch when you turn on TV? A lot of law and crime dramas. <laughs> <laughs> what a sort of lawyer who spends all day talking about this would just go home and switch it on. Just taking um, pointers. And over a nice glass of wine, and when the wine comes out, um, are you fluent in any particular languages? French, Italian, and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better with the more wine, doesn't it? <laughs> Lovely. Um, Pamela, I want to skirt back to your aspirations for your career when you were growing up. You wanted, you wanted to be a journalist, Australia's first PM. Oh, sorry, Megan, to my left. Uh, what, were, yeah, what was the career that I left out? Spy. So if you think back to back then, and you think to now, has it worked out the way you kind of thought it would? I can't or? tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a university degree that you can use for your spy? Yeah, I did all of them. Okay. And so if yeah. you think back to what you did during uni, how has it played out and helped you to get to where you are today? Um, oh, wow, university. Uh, so um, I, <clears throat> I love learning, hence I've got four degrees. Um, and I think that that's the main thing that's helped out. So, I mean, my, my career started... So I went to uni when you filled out um, enrolment forms on paper. And we used to sit, there's a big Gerardesk somewhere in some enrolment hall somewhere. And I had no idea anything about uni. I was the first in my family to go to uni. So I just looked through the arts handbook, because that's all I knew about. And I found the word industrial relations. I had never heard of it, never, didn't know what it was. And I wrote it down. And just be really careful what you write down on the first day of uni, because I ended up with a basically 30 year career that had industrial relations in it somewhere in that time. So. Um, yeah, so going back to going back to that, I think that love of learning, um, just I ended up doing a lot of what I did in that first thing at uni, but it was completely accidental, and I just picked the things that I liked and then followed. It was kind of a bit of an accidental career. And so, do you think that sort of that love of learning and the constant learning has set you up over yeah. a sustainable hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean. And I've still got it. I mean, I'm up to my. I've just read. I've read 24 books this year so far. So that's. I just continue to like doing that. And like to learn new things and go down new pathways. Like I'm going down a genetics and biology pathway at the moment, learning as much as I can. For what reason I don't know, but I figure one one day that will that knowledge will benefit in some way. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. that constant. I guess you never really know where the path is going to go. Pamela, I want to ask you the same question because you're a, a chemist come journalist. So, same question, doing a uni degree in chemistry, how has that helped you in the field you've actually built your whole career and a very successful career? Yeah, um, well, I think it taught me critical thinking, you know, how to challenge ideas and problems and disseminate information, you know. I just always approach journalism as here's a story I need to break it down into stuff that people can understand and, and I found that having that scientific brain really helped with that process. Mm. Interesting. And um, Christian, I'm going to ask you the same question because you've made the switch in as far as you're, you're now a business owner. You, you've built a business, you've grown it, but come from an engineering background. Yep, that's has right. That, has that helped you? And <coughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, there's lots of skills you learn. Uh, you need not just in an engineering degree, you learn how to be an engineer. 
you learn other things, you learn entrepreneurial skills, you might not realise you're doing it, but you learn social skills, you, you meet lots of people, go to lots of social functions, and that is a huge part of your work life when you're out there, is actually be able to talk to people, be able to interact with people, be able to network. So a lot of those skills are really important. Um, also just um, sort of had the, uh, the degree behind me and I thought I could just take, take on the world and do anything at that stage. So I guess I didn't really think about what could go wrong when I started the business. I just did it. Sometimes that's all you gotta do. You just gotta throw yourself in there and do it. Yeah. And did your network at the time help at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's helped me through my entire career actually. Um, so, I mean, I've met a lot of people over the years in my work. Um, I'll give you an example. Recently, um, we, we've been sort of targeting a project which is up north for our business. Um, quite a large project. It's related to oil and gas, which we're not, but it's an on onshore project. Um, we found out about it. We set up a meeting with uh, the project manager on the project, um, and the way we do it in our business is organised a, a couple of beers with the guy to get to get to know him a little bit on a personal level. Um, and he responded to the invite, which uh, someone else set up. Said, "Yeah, if Stacey's buying the beers, I'm there." <laughs> Turns out I went to uni with him. He's in that my engineering uh, class. So, Zara, as someone who's stayed in your profession and clearly very passionate, because you're going home and watching. <laughs> TV about it. Or doesn't have a life. <laughs> how, how, is, how did your degree set you up for the for ending up as a state prosecutor? Uh, not like that. Um, yeah, so we were actually talking about this beforehand and I was saying in relation to a law degree, a lot of people think because it is quite a particular degree, um, people will generally go into it with the idea that they're going to become a lawyer. And a lot of people do. Um, but um, I probably couldn't tell you about 70% of the substantive kind of law that I actually learnt at university because most of that learning was done on the job, particularly because being a prosecutor is also quite um, procedural and, and, and practical as well. And a lot of the main skills, such as advocacy, is something you simply have to pick up on your feet. But what the degree gives you um, is uh, the ability to um, analyse things, um, the dedication you'd hope to do to do research, to understand concepts, to interact with people um, in terms of uh, UWA, certainly the Blackstone Society always ran competitions and so there were all these opportunities um, to actually gain some practical skills uh, and a lot of what I do is really uh, understanding people and interacting with people and, and managing people and I think there were certainly uh, units and activities available uh, throughout my law degree that enabled me to start um, a good foundation of those skills which I've ultimately built on uh, as a prosecutor. So getting involved in developing other skills as well, apart from just what's in the textbook? Absolutely. Um, there are quite a few extracurricular opportunities uh, that they make available as, as part of uh, a, a law degree. And certainly I've remained in contact with the law school and I understand there's even more opportunities um, these days as well. I think they've developed a unit which actually involves a work experience type placement for their JD students currently. So it's good to see that they're still developing new ways uh, to get students uh, out there and arm them with, with some more practical skills that they can then apply uh, when, they, when they go out. And Jack, as someone who's graduated more recently, take us through what your recruitment was like. Were, were employers interested in some of the extracurricular things that Zara was talking about? Were they interested in what work experience done? 
did that come up in conversations? Uh, yes, so, so I would say my my journey into where I am today, I think it's unique to most people. So I studied um, electronics engineering and also studied arts. So I think with my arts degree, I think that landed me a job more than engineering. Um, I, 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 say, I say that because um, with, with arts, I was interested in learning Japanese, so I used that to study Japanese studies. And with that degree, I studied abroad in Japan. So I lived in Japan. I was um, so over the course of the exchange, I was interested in learning about um, uh, the culture. I was so fascinated by it. I was just wondering how come they do things so differently to Australia. So, so I think my focus was more about uh, international um, cross-cultural relations. And so that became my primary focus. So although I was always interested in um, engineering, I was also interested in about Japan. Um, I thought maybe there could be a bit of a both, but um, but um, but I realized maybe I wanted to do something more Japan related. And so um, with that, there weren't many opportunities for engineering. So I didn't pursue that part of it. So I, I had uh, my, my interest in Japan. And so when I was looking for opportunities, um, so I found uh, a job opening and it was called a commercial analyst. Um, I thought, I studied engineering, would this, would this matter? Um, so I had my um, interviews with it, and uh, they said it didn't matter. What was really important is that they wanted to see someone who could add value to the company. So for Japanese companies, they're very long term. Um, so they were of the view that anyone with any degree, regardless what you study, um, chemistry, physics, uh, science, or uh, law, um, they were interested in the person, the personality. So they were interested if you had a um, motivation, if you had the drive, if you had that growth mindset, always wanting to, to learn and learn and learn. Because anyone could learn, anyone could spend four years to get a, a law, I mean, um, accounting degree. So, the, so <laughs> you know, because if you had that mindset, you really believe that you really learn, then um, the company would see value in that. And so, because I was interested in the Japanese culture, I'm um, with a Japanese company. And because I could see that, um, I was really interested in that, I understood that, and so I was really driven to wanting to learn something new, uh, even if it was something new, um, simple from engineering. So I guess um, with, they, asked, they didn't ask me what I studied um, as much, but they were interested about what, what I did and, uh, and my capabilities, and they were, they were also assessing my potential as well. So I guess I, I could say I marketed well, or maybe I convinced them, maybe I fooled them. Sure. <laughs> did, you, did you do a handstand during the interview? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I guess I can really see your passion coming through as well for the cross-cultural in Japan in particular, which is fantastic, yeah. I mean, I want to ask you, as someone who works a lot with leaders in, yep. your, um, in your field, what, what do leaders look for these days for grad, in graduates? Uh, well, you know, there is definitely a component of the skill, so I wouldn't like to um, play down the importance of what you actually did in your qualifications, because I think there is being out, having having qualified is a good thing and something. Whatever it is that you like doing, um, I wouldn't play that down. But um, we are looking for something a little bit broader than just the qualifications, just the technical skills, and especially in a world where the pure technical skills could be the ones that are done by you know through automation and so forth. So you are looking more broadly to people skills, the ability to build relationships with others, the ability to lead. Um, so think of all the skills that machines can't do and that increasingly organisations will be looking at those. So pure technical skill, it's good, it's a good base, but you're gonna need a lot more the ability to build relationships. 
um, and be that bridge between the people and the machines. Mm. Yeah. And, and Christian, as someone who's grown a business and had to bring people on board, how do you identify some of those skills, the ability to build relationships and leadership? What what can a graduate sitting opposite you tell you to help yeah. demonstrate that? Look, I think um, I'm probably repeating a lot of what the other guys have said, but um, passion is a really important one. If if you look like you really want to be there, and you, that you want that job, and you believe that, then the person who's interviewing you can see that. Right? So you've got to be there, and you've got to be convinced, and you've got to really show that you want to do the job. Um, and look, we do a few things. Um, uh, we've got uh, HR Pump, so they, they recognise personality types. So different personality types will fit into different positions. Um, but that's precisely what we're looking for. We're looking, there's, in generally in engineering, there's two main streams you'll probably take. One is a, probably a technical base, um, where you'll tend to be a more technical engineer in your career. The second is you'll be a technical engineer for a while and then you'll probably branch off into a management role of some description. It might be business development, it might be a project manager, it might be team leader, it might be a managing director, I'm not sure. So we're looking for people with both sides. Um, so we don't narrow it down to anyone. Uh, if someone comes along, we can sort of see that they could perhaps be strong in one, in one um, field. But probably the main thing is just the passion, the wanting to be there, the wanting to do it, the mm. wanting to work hard, and the wanting to be loyal yeah. after. That passion uh, reminds me actually, Pamela, when you were describing uh, when you had that moment of clarity, I don't know if it was a particular moment, but moments of clarity when you were graduating and you thought, actually, I want to go out and help the world spread knowledge. Uh, was that, did you consider that risk taking at the time? Was that? Oh, it, it never felt like a risk. And in fact, from, from the first day, the first week that I started my cadetship as a journalist, I just felt this is the right thing for me to do. But I also think when you're in your early 20s, um, it's, it's not a risk because you, you truly believe you can do anything. <coughs> Now, it's not until you kind of get a bit world-weary later on in life that things seem a bit harder. But, you know, if there's ever a time to, to go out and do it, it's when you're young. And sort of reflecting on that time, did you ever have any doubts that you, well, I've done a chemistry degree, I've just started a cadetship, should I be in my field or...? No, and I, I've often, I've seen colleagues who, they, they sometimes seem to be like a salmon swimming upstream. Every step along the way was a battle, and I never felt that. I always felt like I was home, um, which has been fantastic. The unfortunate side of that is it's a constantly shrinking industry. So now I'm thinking, what would be the next step? And there's nothing else that I want to do. So you know, I'll just ride, ride that way for as long as I can. So whilst riding that way, do you view a career as all about destination or is it the journey or is it both? Oh, it's all about the journey. But I, I think really the important thing is to find something that you are passionate about. Mm. And I love news and I love that in my job every single day is different. There is no boring and, you know, even when it's hard work and you're understaffed and you're pulling your hair out, you still at the end of the day go home and you know, feel good about the job that you're doing. Some people might not realise that journalists do actually feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do a very known job. 
Um, picking up on, on passion, Zara, was uh, your field of pursuit something you were passionate about going through it? Is that, I think you made the point you knew you were going. I knew I was going to do law, but the question of why I went into it wasn't because I necessarily thought, you know, I want to be a lawyer, which sounds weird, but bear with me. So listening to the way Jack talked about, you know, um, his love of Japanese culture and wanting to go and immerse himself in that, and even what Pamela's just said, I always knew growing up that my particular passion was advocating for people. And I think even throughout high school, I was a real little SHIT in terms of like unionising people. And when I thought things weren't fair, I would you know voice my opinions. And I think my teachers probably um, hated me. But when I got to uni, um, I also was very heavily involved um, on the yeah, with the student guild. Um, and again, that was all about advocating for students and, and helping people find a voice. And so law to me, and, and where I've gone now, um, I do view it as um, a continuation of, of that and that love of advocating for people. And I think I've been able to find that within what I'm doing now, particularly with the types of cases that I, that I do tend to do now. A lot of them um, do involve quite serious cases of um, domestic violence and other forms of abuse. And there's a real satisfaction that I get, I get when I'm able to um, have these women, and these predominantly women, and bring them to court and give them the voice within that system to come along and, and tell their stories. And on the occasion, um, even when you might get an acquittal, um, I have had women say to me, thank you for giving me the opportunity and the strength to be able to actually come forward and, and tell my story, and that's been the most cathartic part of the process for them. So um, that, to me, is what this particular career represented. It wasn't necessarily I get to be a lawyer, I get to be a prosecutor. It's a continuation of um, I, have a, I have a voice and I'm going to use it to help other people find their place um, within what can be quite a confronting system. Really powerful. So given that you, your vision for where you wanted to go was quite clear, same question I asked Pamela was, is a career in your opinion um, destination, journey, combination? Definitely journey, I would say. Um, and I was actually having this conversation with a colleague this morning. I don't know if I'll remain in this job forever. Um, I don't know if I'll remain within the law forever. It might be that I decide one day um, my skills and, and my passion for advocacy is better utilised um, elsewhere, if that's still within the criminal justice system um, but doing something else, or if that's with um, uh, other organisations that advocate for perhaps more marginalised groups, then so be it. So um, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, amazing. I want to change tact a little bit. Jack, take me back to, um, again, going through your recruitment and finding your role. You work for a very big company, it's, it's huge. Um, did Small versus big weigh into your decision, whether you wanted, or was it more about finding alignment for the actual work and what was going on inside the four walls? Finding alignment um, um, to do something that I wanted to do with, with my interests. So, um, I was also, yeah, like I said before, I was really interested in um, the Japanese culture, Japanese language, and I was adamant about um, uh, finding a career and related to that. And if I didn't have it that way, then then all that um, time at uni learning about the language and also studying abroad in Japan. And prior to um, working at Mitsubishi, I, I've also found um, two internships 
uh, did two internships in Japan. And one of the time was, um, was one of those moments where I just asked. Um, there was, my friend was working for this company and they had one of those uh, information sessions and it brought them down to UWA. And at the end of the session, I asked the HR manager and I said, um, do you have um, an internship? And uh, at that time, I needed 12 weeks of uh, engineering work experience to graduate, otherwise uh, I'll be stuck at uni forever. <laughs> and so at that time, it was really difficult to find backward. And so, um, so at that time, I was thinking of internships and uh, I applied at so many places. Um, all the engineering companies, um, because it was so saturated, um, it was so difficult, so I thought, uh, well, so I just asked, and I asked, do you have an internship? He said, no. But I said, oh wait, um, why didn't you just come over? I'm like, serious? And um, yeah, so he just offered me an internship on the spot. Um, but, uh, but I had to pay for my flights, um, but that's okay, but they gave me a comment, they paid for my accommodation, my food allowance. So I did uh, 12 weeks of uh, uh, some uh, software-related engineering um, in Japan. So uh, um, that was um, just, just by asking. And uh, I had no expectations. So it could be luck, uh, it could be, yeah, so, yeah, so just asking a question. Um, yeah, I really wanted something aligned with that. And without that, um, I don't think I would have the passion and energy to, uh, to really motivate myself to work there. It's a fantastic uh, 12 so, weeks for your work experience. I think I, I stood on a yes. BHP site staring at steel every day. Yeah. I think that was one of the start. With that, that led to other opportunities, other opportunities. So I think it just accumulates and accumulates. And, um, and I think the opportunities come the more proactive you are. Yeah. And, um, and I think I was just creating my own luck just by being, uh, just attending events, talking to people. Um, because I, I had no expectations and I just go there because I, I just felt, um, I was really interested because I was motivated by curiosity. I just went and asked and asked. And the opportunity just came I didn't realise I was creating luck just by doing what I enjoyed. So yeah. Yeah. Christian, you and I graduated um, from engineering a little bit of a different era where there was a lot of work going around, wasn't there? Um, fast forward to now, a little bit, uh, I guess, tighter, the economy. Um, do you think there's value in graduates considering smaller business? Like, if I take your company as an example, which is a completely different magnitude to where Jack is at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Probably a bit fast, but I think if you came and worked for me, you'd learn more than you would working for a very large company. <laughs> but um, absolutely, you get you, there are a lot of um, really good mentors out there, really good employers who, really great engineering companies who um, will give you great experience where you get to work on the whole project, you know, work on one small part of it. You get to do the whole thing yourself. Um, so definitely value yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the word there, mentors, which is very relevant tonight. I mean, have you had any mentors or are you mentoring anyone? Have you mentored anyone and the value of having that relationship? Okay, so um, yes, I do mentor um, people. So I, um, I mentor primarily women through a couple of organisations. I've always got mentees on the go, as, as it speaks, so I have like two or three. Um, and I do find it really valuable, like really valuable as a mentor as well as for the mentee, so you'd have to talk to them about whether they find it valuable. What, what, is, a, what is a mentor do? Um, so, uh, essentially, um, so I'll meet with some, so at the moment I'm meeting with a young woman who's in the safety field, and she has, in the, we have six sessions, and in the first session she identified a goal, and then we work towards that goal over the six sessions. So, you know, she's got the specific goal to be, 
for something. And each session then I say, well, what would you like, we've got an hour, what would you like to work on towards that goal? And she'll have a theme and then we talk through it. Um, because I'm a, uh, a coach, I tend to take quite a coaching approach to the session. So there'll be different approaches. So I'll, I'll tend to coach her through the session, but there will be a bit of me mentoring is where you give of your experience. So at the end, we'll coach through, get to a point, and then I'll give a bit of my experience with what she's actually paid for in the first place. So I don't get paid, she pays an organisation, and then I'll do that pro bono. So I, I, it's, an, it's excellent, and I get as much out of it as the mentee does. So I highly recommend everyone here to volunteer as a mentor um, and you can from almost any age because if you've recently graduated um, there are so many students looking for mentors about you know what you're expecting even if you're two or three years out through to very senior people so it's an <coughs> awesome thing to do I love it. Fantastic so to kick off some of the mentoring I guess and why uh, our audience are here is a lot of networking any tips Zara on what people should be doing tonight to get the networking going? <coughs> really just be yourself and be genuine because I think in situations like this when you are meeting so many different people and um, people from different industries and maybe people you want to impress it's really easy to uh, slide into this version of yourself that might not be completely you and completely real because you're worried about trying to impress people and make connections but forget all that, just be yourself. Not everyone's going to like you, and uh, <laughs> enjoy yourself. <laughs> Let the lawyer in you coming out. <laughs> uh, Jack, any advice to the, to the crowd tonight? Yeah, um, uh, my work, I do a lot of networking. Uh, my boss makes me go to these um, corporate events that I don't want to go. <laughs> so, um, and uh, and every, time, every time I go to these networking events, um, I feel like there's a pressure that I need to get um, business cards to look like I actually did some work in networking. <laughs> but, um, but actually, I think it's good to have somebody um, to report to. Um, if, if you have a boss that tells you, okay, you need to make at least five contacts, if you have that um, in mind, then I guess that would uh, motivate you to try to talk to um, at least maybe five people. So, so if you have that, maybe make that as a rule. So every time you go to these sort of events, make sure you meet at least five people. So, so if you do that, then I guess um, um, you have um, some kind of reason to do so. If, if you don't uh, put that pressure on yourself, it's most likely you probably won't do it. And um, so I think my advice is that um, um, go talk to someone you don't know. Just say that, okay, um, Jack says talk to at least five people, so I'm talking to you, so is that okay? So, so I'll just make it easy for you. Yeah. So. And so for anyone out there who doesn't have a boss, go home and report back to the cat. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, Words of advice? Um, look, I would say ask questions, you know, try and get as much information. And I, and I mean, it, obviously it's a journalist to me, but I always find out a lot more about other people than they find out about me. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when you're, when you're the one asking the questions, you also get to kind of control the conversation a bit better as well. And Christian, any words of advice? I think it was a good one to be used up, but um, <clears throat> being, being smart, being us, um, you know, we want to speak to you as much as you want to speak to us. Um, we're here to do that. And when you're at events, um, as Jack was speaking about, large events, everyone's there for the same reason. So they, they do want you to speak to them. So just go up and do it. Yeah, something genuine. Yeah. And Megan? And Look, I just think, because people don't like the term networking, it almost feels like you need to go home and have a shower. Kind of thing, you know? <laughs> okay, so 
Um, I look at it as you're here to build relationships with people and relationships are, particularly in Perth, are what makes the business world go around here. So it's not networking, you're just going up and talking to a bunch of people and I love ask questions and focus on what you can do for others, not what they can do for you. What's something that you have? Ask them a question, figure out something you have, offer them, some, you know, like have you got something you can help with, a connection you can make. So you are here, you're, just, you're at a party, you're building relationships, that's all it is. You're at a party, building relationships, I like that. A good, uh, a good icebreaker as well if you're really struggling is what did you want to be uh, when you grew up? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for our panel today. So if you've got a question, throw your hand up. Uh, and we've got two roving microphones here, so. No taboo questions. Don't, don't be shy. Or for me anyway. Um, you guys said that uh, we have to ask a lot of questions, but like, what kind of, what kinds of questions should we ask people, like, if we want to kind of get to know I saw a great meme that has some networking advice. <laughs> my husband told me not to talk about memes, and he also queried whether people here would have watched The Princess Bride, but looking around, I'm sure I'm in good company, at least some people. And it's been doing the rounds lately, and it's that photo of Inigo Montoya. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. And the four things to take away from that were polite greeting, introduce yourself, fun fact, manage expectations. <laughs> Just from one of the questions that you mentioned before, what would you do differently if you had the information you have now, back when you were a recent graduate? Um, do you know what? I would, honest to God, build more relationships early than I did. I got onto the whole build relationships thing way late, and it's awesome when you do that. You know, so really early on, and also. Uh, and I think, um, Kristen, you might have brought this up. People that you, or maybe, people that you've met in your degree may be the best connections you have in 20 years' time. So don't, don't lose touch. <laughs> I, I agree with yeah. what you said. I, well, one thing I regret is not making up uh, networks at uni. Um, I would focus on the study and study, and uh, I would miss out on these social events. Yeah. But I, by what I know now, I, I would definitely go to all the events, talk to as many people as I can. Because it's because when you see them again, if you say that oh I've, I've seen you before, once you make that um, connection, you, you you engage in a conversation, it makes it easier to approach them. 
And so that's what I realized is that even if you don't know their names, if you know, if you can remember their faces, it's easy to approach them. And then once once you um, break that ice, it uh, makes it easier for networking, not networking, but exchange of information. And so that really helps. Um, talk to as many people as you can. I mean, you don't really have to remember their names. Uh, just remember the faces. And then There's techniques around that too. <laughs> yeah. Along those lines, I'm guessing you're not uh, suggesting anyone who's graduated to go and crash uni parties anymore. So anyone who's graduated, any any advice on that, how they can, short of going to a uni party, how they can keep going? Go to these events. Um, this, I'm sure this could be a lot of um, career fairs or maybe other networking events out there. I think there's Eventbrite or something. If you just look on there, there could be other events. Um, I'm not sure what events there are. There could be all kinds of events. Um, find a field that, um, that might interest you if you go there. Um, I think that might uh, develop your interest in that area. Um, I think the key thing is to be proactive, um, just having that base. Um, base mindset, be proactive, do as much as you can, um, and then that could um, lead you to uh, uh, surprises. And I think, I think this is where we should plug the Young Alumni Network, right? Yeah, That's tech. Hi. Um, so you guys have said a lot about being genuine and being yourself when you're you know, networking and talking to people, and I've always found that I, like personally, I've had a very abrasive personality. And I wanted to know if you have any advice for people who sometimes come on like a bit strong or a bit like passionate about. I, I guess passion is good, but in some ways, I don't know. What's some advice for like people who sometimes come up as a bit of, of an abrasive person, like when you're talking to people? <laughs> I love abrasive people. Come to <laughs> so, so my question would be, why do you think that? And is that actually? I, I, I test that that scenario because um, I can't have a chat to you. <laughs> I, 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 only because um, I think it's really. I mean, Pamela said it too. I, I think it's really important to be and, and um, so really important to be yourself. And, and I think you know some, some people won't like you, but it's worse to not be yourself. I, so I've got. I'll, I'll come and have a chat. That wasn't abrasive, by the way. Right? It wasn't abrasive. That's why I'm not seeing it, right? So, I, yeah. <laughs> if there's something I can add, um, I, I do enjoy talking to people um, talk, who talk more than me because my personality, I'm, I'm not really a talkative person. Uh, I'm usually the one who listens to other people. So, so I guess you, you can probably talk to someone who, who likes to listen. <laughs> I mean, I think that cancelled out. So, so you don't have to worry about um, being yourself. Um, I, I do enjoy um, company people who are different from me. So, uh, so just to give you some, uh, <laughs> some advice on that, so that's okay. There are techniques. Yeah. Sorry, oh, I was just going to say, not everyone will like you, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are techniques um, for talking to people, engaging them. There's books that are out there, some that are quite well known, um, on how to win friends and influence people. It's a great, it's got really good tips. And it's, um, so that's not not being yourself. I think what, I guess maybe what we're trying to come across is, um, for example, when people are in an interview, they seem to get really nervous and they have these rehearsed answers and they've, they've already practiced the answer. And, and when that, you see that, you can see it come across. So it's more believe in what you're saying and say what you believe in. But there are ways that you can talk to people as well. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, can you please thank our panel? We have plenty of time.
Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Did you know that UWA has alumni networks in Perth, Albany, Canberra, New York, United Kingdom, Hong Kong, Malaysia and Singapore? You can become an active alumni member and stay connected to your UWA community by visiting the alumni website today. 